Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. Tear this is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And of course, we have the world famous co-host who joins me on shows and we just love him because he's awesome tracy motley what's up my friend welcome to the show not much my friend not much we're just doing it and getting through it you know <laughs> you know last week we did that fun thing with stereo uh with our guest andrea freeman uh we did a show with her uh and mm -hmm. then that show aired and then later on in the day we jumped on the stereo app um it was kind of cool i looked at the analytics for that and we had like 256 listeners, not simultaneously, but 256 live listeners throughout the hour that we were on, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so that, that, that was pretty cool to see all that, uh, you know, so stereo, you guys, if you haven't checked it out, uh, there's thousands of live social conversations happening with a wide range of genres for almost every interest, including news, comedy, sports, and more. Uh, you can choose mm -hmm. whether to be a co-host, participate as a guest, or simply listen in on exclusive conversations. I do it all the time. I pop the bubble, I record, I ask questions, I get in, engaged in that. It's been it's been really fun. Um, you guys can follow me on the Stereo app. Go to Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1, uh, and you can definitely follow. Uh, and, of course, on a weekly basis, we always do uh, uh, an after party for finding a frequency on there. Uh, whether we have the guests or not, you know, we jump on and we still cover the co the topic and, you know, talk about it. So today we got a great show for you guys. Um, you know, we're, we're always talking about entrepreneurship and we're always, you know, wanting to find people who've really, uh, uh, you know, walked the path, walk the walk, talk the talk, so to speak. Um, right. and you know, sometimes you can find some people that are in the middle of starting up their own business, or sometimes you can find some folks that are, um, you know, uh, very, very seasoned in the space of entrepreneurship. And that, that is who our guest is today, hmm. right? L. Brian Jenkins, he is the founder and president of like 7,000 things. <laughs> Entrepreneurity NFP, Starting Up Business Solutions, Inc., uh, Mo Mox E Collaborative, and of course, Overflow Coffee, and a partner of Renew Pavement Solutions Incorporated. He's an executive leader and nonprofit strategist with a proven authority in innovative entrepreneurship. Not just entrepreneurship, not just entrepreneurship, innovative entrepreneurship. Right? There's a huge right. difference, right? He's a respected Absolutely. Chicago community leader, and uh, he's committed over 20 years to educating and capitalizing minority entrepreneurs, startup founders, and nonprofit leaders through programs and curriculum of his design. Man, I could go on and on with your bio. There's so many different things that uh, you've done, but uh, Brian Jenkins, welcome to Finding a Frequency. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting, and uh, that is a long bio. It's getting longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That's okay, though. Um, you know, I think it's important that... Uh, uh, you know, we, we expand on those things and share them mm -hmm. with other people, you know, uh, 
I think part of humanity, it's super important that, uh, you know, it's like raising children, right? In the business mm -hmm. world, you know, you, you, you gain all oh, yeah. this knowledge, you gain all these different experiences and, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're passing that on to the next generation so they can be successful. They can continue down the path and, 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 and ultimately, you know, entrepreneurship is a path to freedom, right? Um, Absolutely. It, it allows you to do so many different things and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's a very wonderful thing. Uh, yeah, we're, it's been an incredible journey, unplanned, um, <laughs> like many startups and founders, but uh, a lot of stories, a lot of life lessons, successes, and failures. So I've well, done it, done a, seen a lot. Like and those, those failures are important, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. so many times on this show, we have conversations with entrepreneurs and they're like, you know, it took me to like my you know, my fifth business that I started before I was actually successful, I had to fail four times. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think as you fail along the way, you're learning lessons of things not to do in the future. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like uh, an entrepreneur fails their way to success kind of in the beginning, right? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> my story is very similar to that. I mean, it was not planned to be an entrepreneurship education whatsoever. Um, I grew up in, um, a little bit of my background is, you know, I grew up in a, in a suburb called uh, Waukegan, Illinois, which is about 50 miles north of Chicago. And uh, oh, I know right where that is. My my buddy, okay. J, my buddy, J.D. Harris, uh, who used to be a coach uh, in the NFL for the Bears is from yeah. is from Waukegan. OK, very good. Very good. And uh, so graduated, you know, in the mid 80s when your the idea was to go, you know, go to college and get a job. I remember, <laughs> you know, that whole, you know, the back then we use all those trigger words like, you know, the college path and all that kind of thing. And uh, that was the direction that I was on and um, never did the word. I, didn't, I don't think even think I knew how to spell the word entrepreneur when I graduated from high school, much less from college. So so this has been a very unique journey for me and uh, never would have planned it. Yeah. It, it, a lot of those, a lot of those things are not planned. You know, they just kind of fall in place as you're, you know, going through your journey. Uh, mm -hmm. When Tracy was on the last show that we did with Andrea, uh, uh, you know, I, I, ma I made a comment, you know, my last name is treasure. So I always like to talk about, talk about pirates, but, uh, <laughs> the, but entrepreneurship, right. That's, that's literally what it is. You're walking off the plank into the unknown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you're either going to sink or swim. Right. I mean, that's it. Coming that's from, it. coming from a Navy guy, that, that sounds good to me. Right. 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 Sink Absolutely. or swim. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta sink or swim. That's exactly right. And that's been the story of many of us, you know, in this, you know, whether you're in a for-profit or non-profit, you know, I always tell a person, you know, it's, it's, you know, uh, you know, for in the nonprofit industry, your legal structure is just a legal structure. It's not your, it should not be your operational mindset. And so that's one of the challenges that, you know, I experience as a nonprofit leader is that you always want to try to make sure your products and services are excellent, regardless of, you know, um, what your legal structure is, because you're trying at the end of the day, at least for entrepreneurity, that's the experience that we want to pass on to those that we serve and the, our clients, so to speak, and our youth, their parents and business owners. So we try to take a level of, uh, of excellence in everything that we do with that, with that intent and with that expectation. So there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, so, like what's the point in doing something, right? If you're, if you're not gonna, you know, put your all into it, you know, uh, 
you know, my daughter does karate and, you know, the last time mm-hmm. she did her, her belt test, she failed. Right. Yeah. And I, I had a belt test the same day. Um, mm-hmm. I passed my belt test. Okay. Right. Uh, even though my daughter was really sad um, at seven years old, this is something that she needed to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I did not coddle her. I did not, you know, Oh, it's going to be okay. You right. know, no, I went, you know, I said, do you know, want to know, do you want to know why you failed? And she goes, why? I said, because you didn't put forth the effort, right? Okay. If you want to get to the goals that you want to get to in life, you have yes. to put forth the effort. You have to be yes. there. You have to show up. You can't yes. just expect to, you know, like go to college, right? You can't just expect to go to class and pass college, right? right? You got to right. do the homework. You have to do that Absolutely. extra stuff at home. So as Absolutely. an as an entrepreneur, also, you put like, forth that effort, you yeah. got to make sure that you're able to prepare yourself for, even though you put all the effort in there, you're still going to have a possibility of a failure. So mm-hmm. how are you going to deal with that failure? You know, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, one a, a, a friend of mine, we were talking about as ironic as it can be, is the playgrounds. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. when we were kids, at least when I was a kid, you know, playgrounds usually didn't have um, all this rubber under them. You know, <laughs> and when you fell off the swing set, you skinned your knee. You know, and sand and gravel, exactly. And that taught you. Not to fall off the swing set, you know. <laughs> a lot of modern day playgrounds, kids can fall off with all this rubber stuff, and it's good, you know. I'm not, you know, we need to protect our children. Don't get me wrong, right. but they didn't, they don't feel the same pain and the impact, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that that can also be life lessons. And hey, you know, if you're gonna try to flip around on the swing set like I did and fall off, <laughs> hey, there's gonna be consequences <laughs> to landing on your neck and skinning your back. So, right, those are the kind of things that. You know, you that failure, you know, tends to, you know, pain is a producer sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes we need to learn how to get past that. And, and failure can sometimes do that as well. I think I think that I think that's a lesson that all three of us learned in the military. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. yeah. Pain, yes. pain, pain is an absolute motivator, right? Absolutely. Uh, because you, yeah, you're absolutely. like, you're like, I really want this to end. Uh, oh, yeah. In order for oh, it yeah. to end, though, I have to go through the pain. I got to go through oh, yeah. the effort. You know, Absolutely. Uh, I remember Absolutely. I remember in, I remember in boot camp. They said mm-hmm. they uh, we were in we we're in uh, Great Lakes. Right. And so we're in our our, yeah. our ship. Where right? That's where I was born. <laughs> <Great> mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we're going to have a pizza party. And I'm like, oh, what the heck is a pizza party? Uh, mm, uh, and okay. we, we proceeded to put on all of our sweats. You know our navy sweats, and then our our uh, our fleece petticoat. You know that we ha- that we oh. all were issued. Oh yeah. And, th- and then it was like, okay, it's time for PT. We're gonna turn the heat up to ninety degrees while you're all wearing this. And uh, basically, a pizza party was we're working out until someone throws up. Right? Oh yeah. Oh, and so absolutely. you know, to- total pain, right? And 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 you get through that, and it's, you're sweating, and your hands are slipping while you're trying to do push-ups. That's and, right. You know, That's right. Front front. Uh, what do they what do they used to call it? The uh, the front leaning rest position. Front leaning rest. <laughs> yeah. <Absolutely. laughs> halfway halfway down and hold it. That's yeah. right. That's right. On their count, not yours. On their count. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And that was a four count. <laughs> <laughs> so right. Yeah, oh, man. We, we had a similar experience yeah, with a drill sergeant we had. We had a one of our uh, guys I was in boot camp with, you know, got sick, and he goes off to um, to the nurse's station. <laughs> drill sergeant said, hey, when you finish up, come right back. And he decided to hang out with the nurses and drink Coke and hang out and have a oh, good time. No. And uh, drill sergeant ended up finding out. And so he PT'd us until he got his Coke back. Put it like that. 
reimbursement made, <laughs> reimbursement and made the uh and made our buddy watch yeah crazy oh, oh, oh. uh, they used they in the, in the navy was so funny i had a guy who was in my bunk mate and I, I he probably did have the flu he was pretty sick yeah. and uh yeah. our our di was like um you're fine just hydrate yep now yep. now yeah, we're gonna go okay. march grab your stuff let's go He's that like, was, he's like, you want an extra, a, you want an extra canteen? I'll give you an extra one. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, Brian, I'm loving mm-hmm. this, this history fest we're having with military sure. aspect, but uh, you put out a book not too long ago, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. Called no more nonprofits moving from dependency to sustainability. Yes. Nice. So give me a little bit about what prompted you to decide to write a book. I mean, you went from doing all this stuff before, like you said, mm-hmm. you didn't see this coming at all. And then. Lo and behold, you're going, well, I guess it's time to write a book or, yes. or what? Yeah, it was um, So it's my second book. My first one was called it's called Starting Up Now, 24 Steps to Launch Your Own Business. Okay. And then No More Nonprofits kind of came, came as a result of my frustration within the nonprofit industry of where you're very dependent. You know, you're dependent upon um, dollars that you have to usually, t- in, a, in a traditional nonprofit, you have to raise from donors and foundations and um, sometimes, you know, federal grants and those kinds of things. And um, I was frustrated, you know, entrepreneurial path has been very different. You know, we started out, we are a nonprofit, but we didn't start out. I didn't start out with a lot of resources. You know, I started out with a, essentially as a nonprofit, but with a for-profit mentality. Mm-hmm. And so no more nonprofits, and that's K-N-O-W, so it's a play on no, um, is like, if you're gonna start a nonprofit, you need to know what the nonprofit industry is like. And it's me recapping my experience, particularly as a black man in this area, and oftentimes within Christian circles. Um, So it's a lot of the things that no one ever told me, you know, that you would only have to learn from experience. And so the the, the goal was to essentially, you know, if I had to guide somebody else, like somebody 20 years younger than me, these are the things I would want you to know about this industry. You know, know know that it is an industry, know that it is a competitive industry, and but also some things that you need to prepare yourself for in, in order to be successful along the way. So, and then moving from dependency to sustainability, all nonprofits need to be moving in that direction. And that's something that we've been able to do from our very beginning. We've always had 70% of our revenue came in primarily through fee-based services and only 30% through donations. So we kind of, even though we were in a nonprofit industry, we were, our primary revenue was coming in through fees, trainings, and curriculum sales and all that, and only 30% through donations. That's somewhat shifted now, but that model made me very attractive to a lot of donors because we were not only dependent upon their dollars. So it's that story of how do we become less dependent upon, how do we become sustainable, how do we become sustainable, and at the same time, um, some lessons I've learned along the way. Yeah, because it seems to me like mm-hmm. when I've talked to nonprofits, because Voice America, we're all about the nonprofits. If you're a nonprofit, we want to bring you on and do a show with you guys. Sure. Uh, a lot of times I'll get pushed back saying, well, we only have so many dollars. And so I find the mentality of being, they're limiting themselves because they're worried about where's my next dollar coming from instead of thinking about, okay, I should be using that money that I've got coming in to help grow my business Absolutely. so that I'm no longer worried about that dollar as much because 
I can use this, I can use this, I can put it over here, I can set this over here to make sure the business is still going, but I need to think about, mm -hmm. you know, things that might come up on my plate that weren't expected, mm -hmm. uh, that, are pos that are positives to move me forward, and yes. things that I plan to put on my plate that are definitely going to move me forward that I plan for. Mm -hmm. And so my, my problem being is that when I talk to these nonprofits, they're going, I love what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm, I love what you're, you're saying we could do, but um, yeah, uh, I don't know how we're going to pay for that. And then it's right. like, well, okay, respect that. We'll work with you on this, but mm -hmm. you know, you, you got to kind of meet me halfway here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, and it's very, that that's kind of what I, I call the nonprofit hustle. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, we really want, you know, you know, when, when I first got started in this, it was, you know, I literally had a non, literally a nonprofit mindset, you know, mm -hmm. that we um, were expected to, someone to give everything to you. And that's just not how it works. And, no. <laughs> um, and it's also, it's that mentality that leads to a lack of innovation. You know, I, I fully believe that having, you know, some of the pain points that I had that, you know, like meet payroll, you know, pay your taxes, mm -hmm. all those types of things, like any business owner, you, you know, just because you're in a nonprofit does not mean that you have to lack innovation. And some of the best people that I know, um, in the industry, you know, um, have become, have, you know, have to become more innovative in order to meet their, their goals and objectives. So that's kind of been our story uh, with a lot of mistakes yeah. along the way. But the idea of of getting something, you know, you know, getting something without skin in the game is something that has never happened for me. Yeah, I don't think that happens for anybody that's an entrepreneur or business owner. And, you mm -hmm. know, to kind of tag on to what Tracy was saying, um, you know, I, I think I think that's one of the issues with some of the nonprofits is they go into that with that nonprofit mentality and they don't go into it mm -hmm. with a standard business mentality because, you know, as starting a nonprofit, the steps for your nonprofit business and the steps for a profitable business are almost identical. Right. You you yes. have to sit down and have a business plan and, you know, understand what some contingencies are, understand your target market, your audience, um, you know, as a nonprofit, you can you can collect donations as well as you know sell goods products and services and mm -hmm. you've got to be able to have a plan for you know all of those different silos so you know where you're going with your entrepreneurial hustle right and Absolutely. if you're if you don't have a plan or a roadmap um then you're kind of like you know floundering in the wind you know and that, and and I don't, that that's not the way to go about doing anything business related everything should be planned i i'm i'm a total nerd and so like you know when we when we do when, <laughs> when we do business planning right it's like you know i'm yeah. i'm busting out a spreadsheet and i'm going to have a tab that has financials on it and where these financials are coming from you know what is my pop, my projected profit and loss um, how many employees do i need to do this what services Absolutely. am i doing right and they're all tied in together um, so then that way i have something tangible that I can go, okay, we're supposed to be doing A, B, and C, but at the same time, um, you know, I'll use the pandemic as a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You could have a five-year plan that you're trying to follow and you're doing a fantastic job of doing it and then boom, something happens and you got to be able to pivot, right? You got to be able to, you have got to be able to, you know, make a maneuver left or right, right? Mm -hmm. Never go backwards, yeah. never go backwards, but you might have to go mm -hmm. left to go forward, right? And Absolutely. so, and so I think 
that's part of contingency plans and part of the component of having that as a plan in your business plan, whether you're nonprofit or profitable, um, that you have mm-hmm. a plan of attack for in the event that the unknown happens. Right. I always tell Absolutely. people like, you know, uh, like this pandemic, okay, it's our, it's, it's nobody's fault. We had no idea that it was coming, but now that mm-hmm. we know that this is a possibility in the future, it is up yes. to, it is up to us as entrepreneurs and thought leaders to say, Hey, now that I know that this is a possibility, we need to have a plan or a contingency for that. Because if we don't, now the next time it happens, it's my fault. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's one of the things that we found out is that even as we became less dependent upon donors and donations, we actually received more from from business leaders. They they love the fact that we were not dependent upon their funds and they actually gave more and they actually connected us more <laughs> to those, to, you know, to their contacts because they saw us being innovative, you know? So we went from being a, about a half a million dollar organization about seven or eight years ago to like almost two and a half million dollars um, over the last two to three years, which resulted in us being able to buy this building where we're at mm-hmm. and the building, you know, the first floor, we have our overflow coffee shop, which is a, um, craft coffee shop on the first floor, revenue generator, a for-profit business that's owned by Entrenuity. The, the nonprofit owns the assets of the for-profit. And then on the second floor, we have our um, Moxie uh, co-working space, enterprise-level co-working space, where another revenue driver that um, brings in revenue through private offices, conferences, and trainings, and those kinds of things. So even though we're a nonprofit, we 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 have a for-profit asset you know we and we mm-hmm. did not take our building off the tax roll so which the of course the alder woman um loved love that that we're still paying real estate taxes like any other business would um mm-hmm. mainly there's two reasons for that number one because we couldn't charge the we couldn't have for-profit customers renting our space if we are non-profit so so there was a you know obviously there's you know, a business um need in order for us to stay on the tax roll but more as importantly um we're contributing to the tax you know the tax roll just like any other businesses so well that's important brian right um from from a community perspective right if you look at um if, if you look at um funding for like uh k through 12 schools right yes the majority and this this is this is nationwide Right. The majority of funding for K through 12 schools goes through, um, you know, things like real estate taxes. Um, And and, you know, if you're not paying the real estate taxes then you're not paying into the pool that's helping to educate, you know, our future Mm -hmm. generations, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. In fact, one of my um, pushbacks I have, you know, for some of my wealthy friends who live in very exclusive communities, Mm -hmm. I said, you know, what we need to see are more tax bearing businesses in your, you know, in our communities, like you have in your communities and less nonprofits, you know, that we have in my community, like you guys don't have in your community because everyone there's, you're contributing to the tax base, you know, which in turn provides a better, you know, you know, better outcomes for the community as a whole. And I think that's something that we need to reinvestigate, you know, when we launch nonprofits. All of it. 
And I don't, and I don't, I don't even think it's from just a nonprofit perspective. I think that, you know, I'll I'll give you an example. Like, so I live in Arizona. I think that I, my whole thought on that whole idea for, um, you know, for, for the K through 12 education is, you know, you have, you know, um, some neighborhoods that have, you know, more income communities and then other neighborhoods with lower income communities and the lower income communities are generating less taxes. And so then the, uh, you know, the resources for that community then become less. Whereas the other side of the city, you know, they're, they have higher taxes and higher resources. Mm -hmm. And what I would like to see is just all of the tax money that goes for that be put into one pool, right? Rather than it be, you know, regionalized, you know, have one pool. So then that way, all of the K through 12 schools that are in a given uh, 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 state or whatever it is, all have access to the same exact funding. And then mm-hmm. you, you get away from all that disparate nonsense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, we, I mean, that's kind of like one of the things that I discovered and know more was when I was writing that, that that's actually a strategy, you know, that we need to be thinking of. Like when we when we bought this building here, you know, we had a, um, a key um, investor slash donor who said, hey, Brian, I want when we found the building, it was literally I mean, we're in the South Loop of Chicago. It's one of the highest appreciating areas in Chicago in and of itself. So um, so we're at fourteen forty nine South Michigan. And so this area is I know, right really, where, I know right where that's at. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's, 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 I can't describe, you know, I, I've been in the area for 11 years and we bought the building just a year ago and, and just finished construction of, um, in about probably less than a month ago. So, um, so we're re, you know, we're relaunching our coffee shop where, you know, we got the space upstairs, but, you know, being in this area and having this asset, you know, of this building, we've seen the asset appreciate already in less than a, less than a, before construction was even completed. Mm-hmm. That asset, the, the, you know, has allowed, you know, the, basically the equity in the asset of the building has allowed us to have, you know, you know, you know, basically money for operations that we would not normally have had if we would have, you know, been in another area. So I, and it's something that, you know, my investors said, Hey, I want you to be in this area in this, you know, in own and own this building with no strings attached. And most nonprofits, you usually don't get that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that's something that that made us very, very unique. He basically said, "Hey, you know, we're giving this, you know, as an we, we want you to have this asset. We mm-hmm. don't want any strings attached. We want this asset to be able to grow, entrepreneurs' impact." You see, the key thing there being is that you've shown by your words and by your actions you made yourself a palatable uh, asset to, to be working with. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the value in what you're doing. They also know that you had the mindset that they can relate to. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that a lot of these, um, these nonprofits tend to kind of lose is that they don't have the mentality of the business person they're talking to where they're asking for that assistance. That business person's looking at them like, okay, what is it you want from me? Instead of, right. okay, how can I work with you and how, how can we make this happen? That that kind of seems to lose something in the translation. And with what you guys are doing with working in the mindset that you work in and working in the way that you are bringing in stuff and you're you're kind of going, okay, we're planning on doing this and this and this. They're going, oh, yeah, I can see your vision. I can see where you're going. It has merit. I'm in. What do I need to do? And Abs- I'm, I mean, you, yeah, you're precisely right. And, and, and that's, we, you know, at, at Moxie, we have what well, we call the three C's, which is coaching, 
connecting and capitalizing. The coaching is the training side. Mm-hmm. The connecting is the networking, the relational side, which is extremely right. huge. And then the capital capital side is, you know, when we are able to create capital opportunities, you know, for others, you know, particularly our, our focus is on, you know, black, Latinx and women owned businesses, even though everybody can be a part of this, but what we're doing, but that's one of our niches that we're really focusing on. And so the connecting side is once you created a relationship with a business owner or an investor, you know, in our case, it's, it's, it's like they're, they're waiting on you to say what's next, you know? And once you've earned that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally, you know, it's, it's not the money and believe it or not, I, I can say this now looking back years later, um, and a good friend of mine, one of our advisors on our board members said, Brian, whatever you do to stop, because I was in a nonprofit mentality, you know, don't right. worry about the money. He said, make sure you develop the best product, the best service, and you deliver and you execute on the things that you say you're going to do. And I've always prided myself on the execution, but I saw that not nonprofit mentality of just like, you know, wondering about how I'm going to do all of this. And, um, you know, as soon as I, you know, basically stopped worrying about the money and stopped and started focusing on, on the pure execution, that's when I saw the change in not only my, my mindset, but I also saw it on our balance sheet as well. And yep. not only did they give more and then give me more opportunities, they connected us more as well. And it's literally changed who we are as an organization. And to keep this real, I mean, between the time you went from being this person who was in one mindset to becoming a person who has a mindset of, okay, I got to be an entrepreneur. I got to think like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What was the flip over time as far as, okay, I'm thinking this way now mm-hmm. and seeing the return on that mindset shift. What was the, what was the return probably, on that? Probably like a good, I would say five years, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, entrepreneurity was launched in 99, uh, I mean, 1999, I should say. And, wow. and um, <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm getting old. Prince. So, uh, hey, that's the same year Voice America was founded, 1999. Oh, okay. There oh, yeah. you go. Hey, that's why I was laughing. It, it, <laughs> And it was so, it was not, the 1900s. you know, I did not have like a business plan. I was in the area of entrepreneurship education for seven years and I got fired from my last job. And I said, okay, I'm going to put into practice all these things that we were teaching the kids. Um, talked to my wife about it kind of and said, Hey, you know, this is where I feel the direction that we should go in. You know, I said, it's going to take a lot. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know how much it was going to take, but she was there um, from the very beginning and is, and is there to, you know, to this very day. But, you know, the idea of getting this off the ground um, and getting into the where it's, where it's at. I was a good entrepreneurship teacher in the classroom, good, you know, program manager, you know, those kinds of things on the program side. But what I didn't what I didn't have at that time was the business side of things. So. When I got it off the ground, found that I could deliver a good product and service and that, you know, all those kinds of things with schools and business camps. But then the business side is where I really needed to needed to learn. And that's where I had to cut my teeth at and had a lot of hard lessons in doing that. But um, one of my greatest gifts, I think, is perseverance, you know, and that really, really speaks volumes to those that have been, you know, been around, you know, for a long time or those that have been around, you know, recently. But the idea that you never quit, you know, that you stuck with it and they love the fact that I'm an entrepreneur, even though I'm in a nonprofit industry. 
I love to use. I love. I love to use the word stick to itiveness. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent Absolutely. word. You know what I mean? Because that, that that's that's oh, yeah. that's really what it is. Um, and you know, oh man, I, I love I love this conversation, Brian, because I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs like they need to hear this. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're an entrepreneur listening to finding a frequency and listening to these golden nuggets that Brian's dropping on us right now, um, Mm -hmm. you know, pay very special attention to that because, you know, it's like the same thing I tell my daughter, like, you know, 80 percent of success is effort and showing up. You know, the other 20 percent is 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 is, you know, the the inner workings, the operational things. Right. But you can't do the operational things. You can't do the day to day if you don't show up and you don't have perseverance. You know, uh, I always like to say uh, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. You know, and so if you have that mentality in business and so you're always there, you're always willing to work, you're always willing to put in the effort and know that as an entrepreneur, right, Brian, and you can probably attest to this. Sometimes sometimes you're like, you know, pecking away at the computer at like nine or 10 o'clock at night, knowing that you got to get up at five in the morning to do whatever you need to do. Um, And and it's it's that extra effort that I think, you know, takes a a a good entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. sets them aside from a new entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who hasn't had any, you know, training or conversations like this or listened to uh, radio programs like, like, like finding a frequency or gone through some yeah. of the training things that you have. I think yeah. all of that is important. So you have the mindset um, and you know what to do, but you got You got You got to persevere. Yeah. I, I, I use the expression. Don't let anyone out effort you, you know, <laughs> if you can, you know, my son played baseball. He's a very good baseball player, uh, played catcher for several years. And he wasn't always the biggest um, kid, you know, behind the plate, but he could block any ball that came mm-hmm. to him and he could uh, pretty much out effort anyone. And so the coaches would often come to me after a game because, his, uh, you know, his name is Braxton. Braxton mm-hmm. would oftentimes beat the player. You know, if the ball was hit and, you know, hit, he would beat – the 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 runner to first base backing up the throw you know and they would be like you know where you know how does he do that you know and i always told them from the time he was around seven you know he played catcher for years so probably mm-hmm. time he was eight years old i said the one thing that you can do is always out effort someone and back mm-hmm. the throw up and yeah. sometimes he would literally beat the you know beat the runner from home play out of his catcher stance That's hard to first to do. base Simply yikes! That man, I'd like to see yeah. what he runs in a forty. That that dude was fast. <laughs> Absolutely, and, it, and but it, but but what you said earlier, it's about the training and the discipline from the very beginning. And yep. if you don't have that training and that discipline, and what I call we know as veterans, that dog mentality, mm-hmm. you know, that's just part of what you have to have as an entrepreneur. And um, and you know, here at the office, you know, we got between the coffee shops and the co-work space and other things that we going on. We have about 30, 35 people that work for us. And, um, you know, I, I always say, you know, do your job. Hashtag DYJ, do your job. There you go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Brian, I know it's kind of obvious we're both minorities, uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know that you're invested into the minority um, entrepreneurship aspect. Can you tell me why you're so invested in that and what you've done in that area? Yeah, part of it's from my, my family background. Um, you know, my family comes from Southern Illinois um, on my mom's side, and we were they were farmers. And my great grandfather, um, you know, 
was was one of the first black men to own his land, like three to four hundred acres when black men were not allowed to own their own land. And so one of the things that he was very proud of is when he passed, he passed down this asset, you know, of the land to his family members. You know, my grandmother was one of those and each child, he had nine kids. Um, each child got about 40 to 50 acres. And that and he mm. said, I'm, you know, that, that acre, those that land, you know, were the assets. And so our family was able to build um, different levels of wealth from either from farming, from mineral rights, you know, just different things that we were able that the family was able to do over over the next forty to fifty years, and so that aspect of and, and then he hired, you know, he had you know men and women that he pretty much men at that time that he hired as workers on on, on their property, um, and so the idea of always having you know a business and ownership, and then you know within a black family, you know that was something that was very, very important, you know, for us at that time. And so I feel that that's, that's part of my DNA is, is to not give back is something that's, you know, sometimes a term that's overused, but I think it's important. You know, Muddy Waters is one of my favorite um, theologians. Muddy Waters said, you can't give what you ain't got and you can't lose what you never had. And so one of the things that is very important for me as a, as a black man that owns businesses is that it's important not only for the youth to see what we're doing, but also for um, adults um, and others who are in the struggle and are trying to raise capital and some of the things that we've gone through. It's important for me to create those opportunities and be a catalyst to, in order to create those opportunities for other people as well. And it's obvious you're doing that because I always think of the, uh, the old adage where I saw a visual once where it has a guy climbing up a ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And the adage is, is that you got one hand reaching out to the next rung, mm-hmm. you're reaching back with the other hand to the other guy, helping him put his hand on the rung you were already on Absolutely. as you reach up to your next rung. Yes. And each, every time the guy was reaching back with one hand, pulling the guy up to the next one as he went to the next rung. And Absolutely. I always thought that picture was really right on base because I was like going, okay, they're not telling you to stop, mm-hmm. but they're telling you that while you're moving forward, help the person get to where you were so they can keep moving forward. And if they happen to pass you, the mm-hmm. lessons you taught them, they're going to reach back and help you when you need it, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. so that, that was like, the, that was like those shows that we did on servant leadership, right? Um, you, you, exactly. You, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important to be of service and, you know, like what Brian was mm-hmm. saying earlier, if you're, if your mindset is always like, I got to get the money, I got to get the money, I got to get the money. Um, yeah, you got to get the money, but you can't get the money unless you, unless you are, 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 are providing service, you know? Um, right. And so that requires, in the vacuum. yeah, you got, you got to go do the networking, right? That's like you using your time, right. To go and, and connect with people and be part of the community, you know, uh, stand on your soapbox, raise your hand and let people know that you exist. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, yeah. It's really important, especially with the minority community, with what you're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the education component of what you're doing is, is so valuable to people Mm -hmm. Um, you know even myself as a non-minority you know I look at the things that minority populations do and I'm like damn I need to know this stuff right because there Mm -hmm. there 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 are things that are happening between all kinds of communities and you know it also shows you know other um, you know other other people like you know that that everybody's kind of struggling in the same manner right and Mm -hmm. every everybody could jump in and help each other out you know it it doesn't always have to be you know um, you know you know one one section of people helping out another section of people like if we could get to the point in business and in community where none of that mattered in the first place right exactly how much more successful could everyone be hey guys 
I want to pause the show for just a second because I want to talk about this really cool app called Stereo. I've been using it for a little while now, and man, it's pretty cool. It's a live broadcast social platform that enables people to have real conversations in real time. The app allows podcast creators to build an intimate relationship with their fan base by engaging them in direct conversations. Listeners can literally record a question, send it in while we're doing the live directly to us, and we can answer those questions and engage in real time. It's really cool. I've been using the app for a couple of weeks now. I've done a couple of variants uh, on it with some random people and I've met people. I've already got some followers. So it is a really cool application and there's so much diverse content on there. You'll always find something to listen to. Finding Your Frequency is excited to offer our listeners a new way to interact. Join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time for a live show on the Stereo app. You can download the free Stereo app and select Finding Your Frequency We're verified right there on Stereo, so you can connect with us whenever we're live. Stay tuned for more details on how to engage with us on Stereo at the end of today's episode. Go to www.stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Again, www.stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Once you get in there, make sure you start following me. You'll start to check it out. And again, we got the shows that we're going to be doing every Friday at 2 o'clock Pacific time on the Stereo app. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that's why I call entrepreneurship is a language of the poor. You know, I can I can work <laughs> literally. I mean, I have done workshops literally where I am in one day in a board meeting and in, and in the same day I was in a prison, you know, using mm-hmm. the same exact information, the same lesson, because literally, literally, because it's it's, you know, who you know, we're going to do an income statement. You know, I can, you know, the principles behind an income statement, you know, I could teach that at the board level and I could teach it also, you know, you know, within the prison or I can teach it in the education system. It's, it's still the principles that are that, in my opinion, need to be demystified in the area of entrepreneurship education so it could be more participatory for everyone. It, uh, and oftentimes preach. that's the challenge is that <laughs> we don't, we, you know, what I, and I tell the entrepreneurs, the founders, I say, look, if you're going to get into this, if you want to get into business ownership, then you're going to have to know the language of business ownership. That's, that's mm-hmm. just, that's an, that's a non-negotiable, you know, now how you do that, you know, it, it, you know, it could be a process, whether you do it through a book or you're learning an income statement on a napkin, you know, the, the goal is, is your opportunity and your job to learn because this is the way this is a nomenclature for this industry but if you but at the same time i tell the you know the owners and you know say hey let's not be exclusionary because someone doesn't know and doesn't have the fundamental skills for the ba- for the basic idea to get started that is not a reason that they should be kicked that they should never be given opportunity and um, so it's it's both ways but it's trying to find that 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 point where we could collaborate and everyone can work together. And a lot of times yeah. <clears throat> that's why I see entrepreneurship as a way or business as a way to, you know, to kind of, you know, solve many of our, mm-hmm. many of the challenges that we face as a, as a country and as, you know, as a, as a world. Brian, I, I was watching a TikTok video today, right? I'm, I just, mm-hmm. I just got on TikTok. I'm like new to sure. it. I was, I was all kind of <laughs> against it for a while. And then my neighbors like, dude, look at these funny videos. And I'm like, ah, all right, right, I'll go check it out. And then, yeah. you know, when, when you go, when you go start your TikTok thing, you could choose different categories of stuff that yes. you like. And of course I love business and technology and all that stuff. Sure. And so I'm, yeah. thumb, I'm thumbing through this today and it just like smacked me out of nowhere. This guy goes, Hey, I mean, let me show you a secret. They don't teach this in school. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then he, he started talking about real estate assets and how he was able to acquire it with the, you know, a hard money loan, nothing out of his pocket, uh, you mm-hmm. know, did a rehab on the home uh, and then ultimately then sold the home to his own wife's LLC as part of their, their, their building of their, their structure. Um, and I'm like, what, what? I never learned that either in high school. There was never right. a personal finance class. You know, there right. there was none of that stuff. And I feel yes. like I feel like these types of things that we're talking about being an entrepreneur, understanding a profit and loss, a balance sheet, you know, understanding mm-hmm. personal finance, um and understanding that this trajectory that everybody points you to for your whole entire life and it's been like this for decades, it's like you go to school, you go to college, you get a job. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and as much as I'm like, I love the fact of going to college and having a degree and all that stuff is great. But just because you have a degree yeah. in finance doesn't mean you need to go work at a bank. Right. You can go do Absolutely. your own thing. Um, and and, and yeah. I think that's something that's not pushed in schools. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll use I'll use trades as an example. You know, do you know Absolutely. how in Arizona and Phoenix, do you know how much money an air conditioning tech can make here in Arizona? Because we live in like 115 <laughs> degrees, you yeah. know, so yeah. may, maybe you go to a trade school and not college because there are opportunities in that space. And then maybe you learn enough uh, about that trade and those things that you now go start your own air conditioning company. Right. Um, you branch Absolutely. off into plumbing, you know, all these different things. Yeah. I think that, you know, society's ingrained everybody to go to college, get a job, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the world, the world's not that way anymore. Right. We not at all. No, not at all. And I think we need to be teaching our children that, that that's not that way. Um, and yeah. schools need to help. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, schools don't teach your children everything. That's what parents are for. Right. We're here to, to, to right, guide the right. kids. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, why couldn't there be some of those things? In schools, and, and I'm saying start that early too. I'm talking about yeah. like third grade, fourth grade. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Get get that yeah. get that in their little minds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I I'd say you know my big hairy audacious goal or BHAG <laughs> would be that every kid graduates with a high school diploma and a business plan. You know, whether they launch the business or not, the process of going through what the what it takes to get it up and running. Um, is something that they can use whether they work for themselves or they work or they work for others. And we started programs, you know, um, you know, I mean, on the programmatic side, we we've run entrepreneurship programs in third, you know, with third graders all the way. Literally, mm-hmm. I think that's the youngest grade, second graders. It's the, it's it's not that it's it's the principles that 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 are steady, but your delivery system has to change. So how I teach an income statement, you know, to third graders is different than what I would teach to, you know, eighth graders. But at the same time, they, um, you know, the principle of the income statement doesn't change. We do games and simulations. We do a bunch of things, you know, in order <laughs> to drive and deliver the principle um, to make sure they understand um, what, they, and a lot, what they've learned. And a lot of times they can't apply the technical language of it quote unquote, an income statement, gross profit, you know, um, versus net profit, but they can guide you through the exercise that they just completed. And they have that as a point of reference and that, and I can go back and use that. Um, and I do this, we have a business, it's called our business simulation game, literally. And I use the same game with third graders and, and I've done this game, the same simulation game in the boardroom as well. That's why, I, that's why, that's change. why I make my kid play Monopoly. I'm right. not even joking. <laughs> Right. There there are two games that we play at our house a lot. The game of life. Right. And and Monopoly. 
right? Those well, are my favorite. Yeah, th- those are those are <laughs> those are fun little games that actually have some um, yes. components that can teach. You know, my my daughter's seven, right? So you yeah, know, she un- yeah. she understands. All right, I gotta have enough money to buy the little you know the tag for the mortgage on this property, sure. right? I, she, she knows the Absolutely. strategy of okay, uh, I don't want to own one house, I want to own the whole block. That's right. I like to teach our family when I win. When I don't, I win all the time. Uh-huh. I like to teach them the value of what a mortgage is all about when they flip that card over and they have to pay me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Hands out, but, pay but me now. Hands out, there you go. Pay me now. You know, but they, mm. but they get it. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's the principles that we have to figure out. How to how to teach? My wife is a my wife is a, a music teacher, you know, here in Chicago, Chicago, you know, Chicago public school teacher. Hmm. When the pandemic happened, they had to figure out how to completely, you know, they've been trained to teach in person, you know, that's what you know, that's what she's been doing for the past twenty five years. But they had to innovate and figure out how are we going to leverage, you know, the tools like run right now to be able to, to teach the music lessons. To, she's a K through eighth grade teacher. How right. did they do that? You know, and so it was rough at first, like anything we start that's new, but now it's become easier and easier. And now um, they kind of found their groove. And yes, they would prefer, you know, you know, live, you know, instruction, you know, to be with their students. That's what they want to do. But they've had to adjust, adapt, you know, yeah. and um, pivot in order mm-hmm. to make this happen. So I think as an entrepreneur, I mean, I think, you know, you said it earlier is that we have to learn how to, we, 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 you know, you have to be ready to adjust and make those changes and be flexible enough and adaptable enough to be able to do that. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes we'll make it other times we'll fail, but that's mm-hmm. part of the, that's part of the, the, you know, the, the thing that keeps me up at two to three in the morning is like, you know, you know, how do we do it? You know, you know, what yeah. are the better ways? And my staff literally, they think I'm crazy because I can only sleep. It's not good, but only about four or five hours a night, you know, and my best thoughts are in the morning early before the day starts, you know, before I exercise and get those things going. Um, that's, that's really where I have my best train of thought is early in the morning and trying yeah. to figure out, you know, what do we can do to become better? That, you know, that's day. so funny when I get up and my, my alarm goes off at four forty-five in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. you know, it takes me about that 15 minutes from the, from four forty-five to five to like, you know, get my brain working. But it's, right. for, for whatever reason, I'm like, okay, what do I have to do today? What problems am I solving? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get my best thinking in at that time. And then I want to, I want to yeah, mention absolutely. something about the innovation part, especially with the, uh, the online school, something that I noticed yes. because my daughter went from, uh, you know, at home and then they're like, oh, the numbers are down. We're going to have everybody come back to school. And she was back at school for mm-hmm. probably like three weeks before they shut it down again and put them all back yeah, online. Absolutely. But what, what yeah. I what I noticed was um, they actually leveraged the innovation of all of the children having laptops and all the mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, they, the, uh, my daughter uses this thing called Nearpod. Well, so instead okay. of the teacher being up there and having, you know, the same, you know, curriculum up on their, their they have the big giant screen now in, in the classrooms where they can, can the mm-hmm. teacher could control it with the computer. Well, now all the kids have their computers open and they can push all the information to each kid's screen, right? And Got keep it. that keep those kids focused on exactly what they're doing because mm-hmm. when you're looking up at the screen, you you have mm-hmm. the opportunity to also look over here and do all this stuff and mess around, but if you're like, yeah. you know, the, if the teacher's telling you, "Hey, everything you need is right there on your computer. We're going to read something off of the thing and you have to read it off the computer screen." Ooh, you know, wow. now, so they've leveraged some of the innovative things that they they learned for online school and incorporated that into the classroom to make that learning experience better. I was so proud of my kids. She's been principal's list for the last two quarters. 
with all of this craziness going on and she's still doing such a good job. And, you know, I credit it to, you know, my wife, number one, because she's at home, you know, making sure things Mm -hmm. are getting done. And I think that, uh, you know, kudos to all of those parents that are out there dealing with that right now. Mm -hmm. Brian. We're, we're getting we're getting close on time and i want to know from you okay. uh, what what's next for you where where do you go from here and then also where can people find out more about what you do your nonprofits, your for profits all of those different things websites uh you sure. know all your social media just just let people know how they can get a hold of you outside of uh, uh listening to this program yeah um our website our main site is entrenuity and that's e-n-t-r-e-n-u-i-t-y.com and that kind of serves as a base, but then that'll connect you to, so Moxie Chicago is M-O-X-E Chicago.com. And that's our co-work facility. Um, they can check us out there and learn about, you know, what we do as far as entrepreneurship programs and training, but also if they want to rent space, have a private office, those kinds of things, they can do that. Um, I'm here in our coffee shop. Um, it's called Overflow Coffee. Mm. Um, and they can check, you know, follow us on Instagram. You know, that's what we found out that, you know, the, the younger staff have been telling me, Brian, you got to pay attention a lot more to Instagram. I found out in the last, we've done three soft launches primarily through Instagram um, over the three days until we do our full opening this coming Thursday. And it's literally blown me away, but they can go to over, um, our Instagram handle is overflow coffee, um, overflow coffee um, on Instagram. And they can learn all the things that we're doing. And then um, if they want to check out, uh, renew renew pavement solutions is um, exactly as renew pavement solutions.com and that's where we uh, launched a uh, pervious pavement cleaning business several years ago due to a relationship that we have with um, Ozinga um, um, here in Chicago Ozinga is an 80 year old company um, known the, the red and white uh, cement trucks that you see all throughout Chicago. Anybody knows <laughs> Chicago, you've seen these trucks. And um, my uh, good friend, uh, Marty Ozinga, who's the fourth, fourth generation president of Ozinga, he and I were in a, literally in a meeting. He said, hey, we, we lay pervious pavement. We have nobody to clean it, you know, can, and we work with, you know, men and women coming out of prison. And um, he said, would some of your, would you like some, you know, basically, would you like some contracts to clean pavement? And so I saw this immediate opportunity. Once you're an entrepreneur, you, you, you think opportunity recognition is huge. And <laughs> five so, pressure washers, five people. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. And so, so we, we cap, we moved on the opportunity, launched renewed three years ago. And uh, it's, you know, it's still in the early stages, but uh, we've, we've attracted some, you know, some major, major customers. And so, so they can learn more about that, you know, renewpavementsolutions.com. And so those are the things that, and then we own one, and one more coffee shop is called Common Cup up north in Rogers Park, in the Rogers Park community. And um, so between the two, between Overflow and between um, Common Cup, we employ about 15 to 20 baristas, um, two managers. And so we got into the coffee industry. You know, I didn't know anything about the coffee industry, but we were able to hire the what we call the queen of coffee <laughs> in Carrie Pendleton, um, who is literally one of the few, if not the only African-American female certified um, um, coffee director in the city of Chicago. And so by That's owning awesome. these for-profit businesses, you know, is able to help sustain the nonprofit, but also give, it gives a model to other nonprofits as well that are saying, Hey, we want to become sustainable. That's the key sustainability, sustainability. in this era, in this era where we're at right now. 
Oh, Brian, thank you so much for being on the program today. I think that uh, I think our, our conversation was wonderful. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule because I know you got, you know, 10,000 things going on. So we do appreciate you jumping on the air with us today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, big shout out to Brian Jenkins. Make sure you go follow him. I just followed the coffee shop on Instagram. So I'll definitely be sending you guys some messages. Uh, got to go check that out. And then, of course, when I start to travel, Chicago is one of my favorite places to go because I like to go to Gino's. So then we'll have to stop over there, oh, get yeah. some coffee, all that fun stuff. Say hello. <laughs> uh, but definitely thank you guys for tuning in to Finding a Frequency. we got new shows dropping every Friday at noon Pacific time on the Variety Channel. So make sure you go check those out. Uh, you can listen to this program on any device, anywhere, anytime. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, any of those podcast places. Uh, check us out anywhere. And again, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in and make sure you give this show a five star rating because we're five star human beings, not four stars. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You're listening to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and big shout out to my co-host today, Tracy Motley, for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Stay tuned for another episode, and you can follow me at Radio Ryan One, and of course, FindingYourFrequency.net, and then go check me out on Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan One. Have a great one, everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? So glad you tuned into the show today. What a great show it is. Like I said earlier in the show, at the end, I was going to give you some more information on our live stereo session on the Stereo app. Stereo app users can engage with the platform to listen in, seek out topics, and join conversations about issues and ideas that interest them. There is no lack of content on that application. You can flip through many conversations, ask questions, join ones, make your own wide-ranging topics on stereo comedy pop culture lifestyle sports business technology the app can be downloaded for free by apple and android users once users download the app they'll be able to create an avatar and a profile <laughs> i had so much fun making my avatar it was super cool users can submit the audio messages to hosts of conversations to join those conversations in real time Finding Your Frequency will have a live audience interactive episode on Stereo. We're going to be doing this every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on the Stereo app. Again, Finding Your Frequency is going to be having a live audience interactive episode every week, Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to do question and answers. We're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about how people found their frequency in life and in business and why they decided to do what they do and take questions from people that are listening to the show and allow you guys to engage with us. And I really hope to see you on Stereo. Again, Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1 live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So again, come to Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Once you get in there, follow me and make sure you guys tune into the show. Thanks for listening.